WMNF presents the Florida premiere of Six Day Ride, the story of America's sidecar dogs, a documentary about the colorful subculture of motorcyclists with sidecars and the dogs who ride in those sidecars. We're screening the movie July 28th at Tampa Picture Show. It's a charming, surprisingly poignant film, and if you love dogs, you'll definitely love Six Day Ride. Tickets are just $10, and you can get them or more information at WMNF.org. Good morning, this is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss, my guest today is musician-composer Harry Mura, whose album I Am, I Am brings together first-rate musicians and spirited original songs, featuring the vocalizations of great apes. Mira is an accomplished musician. At 21, he was the guitarist in James Cotton's touring band. And I Am Am is an extraordinary project. We'll hear some of the album this morning. In fact, we're hearing a piece of it right now in the background. We'll hear all about humorous fascination with the great apes, how I Am I Am came to be, and what happens next when we speak with Harry Mira in a few moments here on Talking Animals. Also, later in the show, I'll speak briefly with Jim Twos, a writer and comedian who created Felines of New York, a wonderful parody of the website Humans of New York. Lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention WMF screening of Sit, Stay, Ride, the story of America's sidecar dogs, a documentary about the quirky, fun, fascinating world of motorcyclists with sidecars and the dogs who ride in those sidecars. It's screening July 28th, two weeks from yesterday at Tampa Picture Show. If you're a dog person at all, you're a person who will love this film. Also, the theater has a restaurant and a full bar so you can order a meal and a beverage, settle in and enjoy a great movie. Tickets to Sit, Stay, Ride are just 10 bucks, and you can get those tickets or more information at WMNF.org or calling right here 813-238-8001 and speaking with Miss Julie who will fix you up. Before we talk with Harry Muir, let's hear a piece from his album I Am, I Am. Another piece beyond what we're hearing now, in fact. This is the title track on Talking Animals.
That's I Am, I Am, the title track of the album by our guest this morning, Harry Mira, with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing us at dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. Let's welcome Harry Mira to Talking Animals. Good morning, Harry. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us this morning on Talking Animals. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Great. Of course, we'll uh, discuss I Am, I Am in some detail in a moment. But first, let's find out a bit about you and uh, and your background. When were you first uh, drawn to music? You know, I started playing guitar because my sister started playing guitar. Okay. <laughs> taking guitar lessons. I was seven years old. I heard her taking uh, the lessons and playing a bit. And I said, you know what? I want to do that. So my uh, parents allowed me to share the guitar lesson with her for the next handful of months and she decided to quit and I carried on. And uh, obviously you took to it pretty pretty immediately. Yes, you know, um, it, what was I guess the height of, of of realizing that I wanted to to uh, to become a musician and play the guitar is my mother took me to see the fabulous Mr. B.B. King. Unfortunately, he has just passed away recently, but I was uh, roughly 12, 13 years old and she took me to a um, dinner club back in the days. Uh, it was downtown Chicago, and we had a dinner first to, to you know, sit at the table with the 
little uh, lamp lights on the tables, and uh, <clears throat> Mr. B.B. King comes walking out after the uh, dinner and did his show. And the first time I ever saw somebody play the guitar like that, and I was like, mm-hmm, that's what I want to do. So yeah. after the show... I was uh, able to meet him, and uh, my mother, of course, said, you have to go and meet this, meet him and introduce yourself. And I'm a 12-year-old kid going, what, what? Uh, I introduced myself. My mother, of course, said, so, B.B., my son plays guitar, and he's, you know, he wants to play and become a guitarist. And, of course, the typical thing, he must have heard how many times from different people. But yeah. he signed an autograph to me back then, and I still have it, and it says, to Harry Stick with it, B.B. King. And stick with it, you did. Absolutely. So, Harry, this story makes me wonder, based on what I know a little bit uh, that we'll get into in a sec, so was it always fundamentally blues for you? It started that way. Yeah. And I worked in the blues uh, <clears throat> the blues um, scene for many years. I, I started uh, touring with James Cotton when I was turning 21 years old and toured around uh, all of North America, throughout uh, the States and Canada. And I stayed there for a while, and after that, uh, I went off with another blues artist named Sugar Blue, who had just got done working with the Rolling Stones on a couple of records, and I worked with him solely in Europe for roughly a couple of years as well. And then during that, that time, I started coming across other talented guitar players that were more in the jazz fusion world, and then that's where I went to my next step. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I just will say, though, that it's not a, an unheard of to go on the road as a musician at 21. It is far less common, though, uh, at that age to be the guitarist and the tour man of someone like blues harmonica, you know, whiz James Cotton. So, well, um, yeah, it was <laughs> that was quite the, uh, the the honor to be there at that age. And yeah, to be playing with these gentlemen and who have been seasoned players and have been touring for years and years and. Of course, James Cotton came off the road and, here, and worked with Muddy Waters, <clears throat> who was made the the big hit uh, that he worked on. You know all the big hits and things. So it was uh, yeah, it was quite an honor to be there. And Sugar Blue, just to, as a quick aside, another. I guess you also had a thing about blues harmonica hot shots because uh, Sugar Blue is certainly oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. that. And and did did he did he play the harmonica and miss you or was that? Yes, that's yeah. It. Okay, yes, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Very good, Duncan. No slouch. Well, I've been trying. I've been trying to do my homework, uh, Harry. I wanted oh, to not cool. embarrass myself right. while we were chatting. So anyway, okay. So as a music fan, I, obviously I'd love to trace more more of this path, but uh, but I think we're better served to kind of fast forward a bit to more mm-hmm. of a focus on I am I am. So what kind of spurred your interest in in great apes? Well, the <clears throat> the ape the great apes that came into my life oh roughly fifteen sixteen years ago by watching a, a, a program on uh, PBS here on, on Channel 11 in Chicago about uh, some chimpanzees that were being released out of laboratory research, and um, they were being released to, to see at that time, as it was like the, the first initial time for uh, people to say, could they get out of the laboratories and, and make, a, a, you know, make themselves live freely or easily? And, and it was, uh, so I'm watching the show, and I'm, I'm just being, I don't know what, what the words at that time would be, pretty well disgusted watching these, these uh, these beautiful, amazing creatures being, um, they were in transport cages and they were going to be released. They opened up the doors to these cages. They didn't want to come out because they didn't know what the what it was like to be free. And, and it just, it, it got to me right there. And I said, you know what? Hmm. I didn't even know this type of thing was even going on at the time, you know, in my life, you know, and then I, it was, uh, it opened up my eyes to a lot of things. And, and I uh, came across, a, started introducing myself to sanctuary founders and leaders and 
said, hey, you know, I would love to try to do anything I can to, to create awareness and fundraising and all that. And that's really how it all began. So let's back up a little bit. So when you talk about meeting with the sanctuary founders and folks, when did you first see a great ape up close, having seen the TV special, which kind of initially sounds like triggered your, your concern and your interest? Yes, it certainly did. The, the first time was roughly 2004. Uh, around 2006, it was a uh, sanctuary up in just outside of Montreal, Canada, called the Fauna Foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've uh, uh, spoken with uh, Gloria Groy, I believe, is, uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, is the name is of the, the founder. Yeah, is the founder there, and, and uh, that was my first experience. Uh, I made friends. I met Gloria here at the. Um, there was a, uh, a conference going on at the Lincoln Park Zoo here, and, and after I started uh, trying to, you know, get introduced and introduce myself to the different founders and leaders, I, I heard that this conference was going on, so I spoke to one of the persons. Uh, Steve Ross was, at, I think, blood at the time. He's the director of the, the uh, Ape House there, and I said, so anyway, I could, you know, just come and, and be a part of the uh, the conference and play guitar as like a, you know, a, a background music for everybody, and then I heard Gloria was there, I introduced myself, and, and then I was invited up there, and, and that was the first time I got to meet uh, the chimpanzees out of the biomedical laboratories. Tell us just really briefly about that first experience when you did go up to Montreal at the Fauna Foundation and see some great apes and chimps in particular, I guess, up close. You know, Duncan, that, that first, that initial time when I was there was uh, one of the uh, most difficult and uh, amazing time I had in my life and a life-changing experience because when I first arrived and I was able to, uh, we it was a friend that I was with that we arrived early in the evening, a dear friend of mine from uh, um, uh, Toronto, Canada. Her name is Rochelle Hansen and um, she drove me up there and we got there early in the evening and um, the next morning I was able to then go to the the chimp house, as they refer to it, <clears throat> where they were staying. And I remember just being, I walked in and I was frozen. I was just stuck in like concrete. I was just sitting and standing there thinking to myself, how, how are these chimpanzees going to, to think of me as a human being coming in and, and, and being a part of them who has their lives, who have been basically destroyed by humans, if you, you know, put it into those words of being in, in these laboratory research uh, facilities for decades of their lives and i i really had no idea <clears throat> of what to expect i was um uh, just pretty well as i mentioned about being stuck in mud thinking well, what's going to happen and um as, as i realized you know stood there realized what was going on watching everybody watching the staff watching the chimps and i i calmed down and i thought hmm this is uh, quite an amazing experience. I'm being able to be with these these uh, these wonderful, amazing beings that have you know their lives have been just so so torn for uh, uh, with all the different uh, laboratory research and torn <clears throat> apart from each other and uh, and all. It it was uh, God. I was uh, I I was dev- like I don't know how to say like <laughs> stuck. You know, I, yeah. I I didn't know how to 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 react at the time. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty emotionally profound experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So and subsequently, time it didn't take too long. Where then I, I, you know, I got to be uh, seeing what, what was going on. I also had my guitar with me that I brought with me, and I thought I wanted to see and what would happen if I started playing guitar for everybody. And um, some amazing things happened. Like what? Well, the very first uh, uh, chance I had to play for uh, one of the chimpanzees, his name was Toby. Uh, started playing guitar, and, and of course, you know, you don't know what to play, what to, what to do, because you don't know what what do they like. What 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 would uh, 
I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think I want something with an upbeat feel, an easy tempo. So I just started a couple of different rhythms, and uh, oh my goodness, um, we were just <laughs> playing for him. He started grabbing the rhythm of the music, and you could see him start flowing with his body and his head and his shoulders, and he was like moving and grooving to the music, and started perching his lips out and started like singing to the music as well and he was just bouncing back and forth, not bouncing you know literally his his head was going back and forth and yeah. and going with the music and and we're both like oh, hey he's he's liking this he's he's grooving with this he's digging with this so it was what an experience and i thought wow this is my first time i'm doing this for a uh, chimpanzee and and um of course then went on to another one that i uh <clears throat> he was a a male kind of a um Pardon me. A um, tough alpha type type male. His name was Billy Joe, mm-hmm. and Billy was uh, he wasn't too receptive to males uh, in the you know as far as being a human male. And uh, I brought my guitar, and he was on an outside shoot outside of the uh, chimpanzee house. And I was like below him, and I was talking to him. I started playing guitar for him, and he's just kind of giving me this this look like, "Who are you?" And and uh, so no sooner I started playing, once again you could see him loosen up. He started about he started uh, swaying to the music. And we just made a connection. And I think that's truly what it comes down to is that universal language of music. It, yeah. it, everybody feels it and gets it. Let me let folks know, if you just tuned in as a talking animals, my guest is musician, composer Harry Mira, whose album I Am, I Am blends uh, eight vocalizations with blues, global rhythms, and other textures. If you'd like to ask Harry a question or offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0888. So Harry, when playing for Toby and Billy Joe, and maybe there are others as well, is that where the idea for I Am, I Am was conceived, or did that come later? You know, it came later after that. When, after I uh, initially met a lot of the chimpanzees and orangutans at the different sanctuaries, I, um, it it was learning about their stories and and, become, and becoming friends and making friendships with them um, and, and learning about their backgrounds, their stories. I, it, it, I started writing some songs and writing music when I would just leave and come back home and just have, like my first uh, record I did, I, I did a uh, song and dedication to a chimpanzee called Sparky, who was living down in Florida and had passed away. And they, um, So it started that way where I started writing a few, few songs here and there, just about uh, stories about them. And it was after that... Uh, the inspiration came from Jane Goodall, who mentioned some words to uh, some of the staff at Fauna Foundation. Her words were something to the effect of, wouldn't it be great to have music, you know, uh, the chimpanzee vocals to music? So that was relayed to me, and I thought, hmm, well, what a great task. I never even thought of doing something like that. Yeah. And then, then it all began, and then I started getting uh, recorders, digital recorders, and I started traveling to the different sanctuaries. I left uh, some of the recorders with different staff at different uh, some of the sanctuaries themselves. Uh, friends took them to uh, Africa with them and recorded, um, <clears throat> pardon me, at this one particular a- African sanctuary, Ape Action Africa, it's called, at Rachel Hogan's place, where they have basically orphaned chimpanzees and gorillas. So there's a song on the, on the record called uh, Morning Mist and Little Miracles, and, and they're all the little babies that are orphans, and those are the vocal recordings of those little ones living in Africa. So anyway, and then, like I said, from there, then I started creating the story, which is what I Am, I Am is, is based on uh, the 
backgrounds and lives of great apes. Sounds like this is really the sounds that we hear on I Am I Am really does represent not only the the ape action in, in Africa, but a number of sanctuaries, including uh, since there just happens to be quite a few in Florida. So I assume uh, probably Center for Great Apes and Save the Chimps, maybe, and mm-hmm. others, perhaps. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, a lot of the vocals came from many uh, many of the different sanctuaries, and including uh, uh, in the field indigenous habitats, where a couple of friends of mine and associates that I became friends. I, I met so many people over the years, wonderful, wonderful people that just do wonderful things for everyone at sanctuaries or for the great apes and doing groundwork. And so it was taking all the apes. It took years of, of getting these recordings, deciphering, to my liking, I guess, if you want to say that, finding the more unique vocals um, that you wouldn't think you would hear out of a, an orangutan or a chimpanzee or a bonobo, and, and saying, well, if I'm going to write a, these compositions and write a story for everybody, for the, for the audience to listen to, I wanted to have a trueness to, the, to the each song and the songs having the representation of their their vocals per per song. How did you start shaping that? Because it does seem like there's a real beyond just the beauty of the music and and the and the uh, great apes vocal sounds. I mean, there really is a, a narrative here as well. Mm-hmm. Well, as I started the project, it 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 was kind of dis- well, basically coming down to how am I going to how did I want to tell this story? So it was coming up with the each. Of the the concepts for each song to say well and when I first started the very first song which I think you said you played I am I am at the ver- at the at the front of the show here right well but right before first. we spoke but by the way since you just mentioned Morning Mist and Little Miracles I I also had that playing at the uh, opening of the show when I was introducing you know talking about you coming up and some oh, other stuff great. so so yeah we've heard a couple of samples already yeah well I am I am was the initial song and so I have you know I had hours and hours of of all of these archived. Uh, vocal recordings of, of great apes from around the world, and and they were coming in as I was starting to create the pro, uh, the recording and the songs. And so throughout the recording process, of course, I was getting new things, new uh, recordings and things. I was pretty much editing a lot uh, as as I was going. But as far as going back to the, what you asked me about the concept, it was just realizing well. I wanted to shape the story to say, well, if, if we're going to be, be thinking about how the great apes should be living freely out in the jungles, out in the forest, and then we know that things have, you know, in life because of the man's world, it changes. So, you know, the the story is about them living freely, starting off with the I Am I Am and going into the, um, the second song every day, Yesterdays. And from there, then I thought, well, let me, let me just, I want to create this uh, feeling of saying, well, we're, we're families, we live out in the forest, we're, we have babies, we have fun, we, we enjoy ourselves, and then, of course, the encroachment on the forest starts happening, and then you get captured, and then, of course, they've been thrown into research laboratories, and then we have individuals and, and many of the great apes who have, their lives have been so dramatically changed because of, um, because of all of that. And so I thought, well, I'm going to tell a, a story as true as I can because of what I know, what I've been told, all the stories I've learned from, from about them, meeting them and being with them and and um, I think I've I've done that. No, absolutely. And again, we I was glad we were able to provide a little bit of a, a sample. But yeah, we should mention that all told, there's 13 tracks to the whole I Am I Am mm-hmm. uh, album. So it really does cover both the narrative arc, but a lot of really great, interesting music as well. And uh, that reminds me in a way where. Uh, 
Where did there was a Kickstarter campaign somewhere that mm-hmm. that sort of made this uh, more more possible to to actually where where in this process did that come into play? That I I uh, had put together at the end of last year to help uh, cover all the costs of putting this project together with the uh, the recording and and um, the mixing and all that in the studios. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the the wonderful thing is uh, with all of everybody who was a part of this this uh, project and recordings, you know, from the musicians to the assistants. Who who did the recordings of the vocals of the great apes everyone donated their their wonderful and talented time and um but of course there was the expense of just putting this all together so that's when i started i started the whole kickstarter campaign and it seemed like a successful campaign i mean were, were you surprised i mean it's a, it's a cool sounding project to to people like us that are animal people but i mean uh right. it, it did seem like people really stepped up were, were you surprised kind of at, at the response and the money that was generated well i was hoping they would I yeah was, i was was surprised of course i didn't know how it was going to go so i thought well i'm going to give it a shot anyway and if, sure and if it does happen because with kickstarter of course if you don't make your your quota they don't uh, you don't get it whatever but i thought yeah. well, i'm going to try it anyway and, and go for it and, and it certainly has helped because what i want to do with this is you know this is not about me why i did this i want to to do this for the great apes and for the sanctuaries to bring awareness to the people uh, out as you know the audience the listeners it's it, it's a project that's a universal language i mean around the world people People can can listen to this, and and one cool thing is they get to you know the, you have the universal language of of the music, but you also now have the language of the of the uh, the great apes themselves too to hear their language, their voice in the music. Well, one thing I, I think I might have said this on a note to you a while back, Harry, and I've said this on air I think last week and maybe in some uh, some just promotional things. But one of the many things I was really struck by 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 I am I am the album is that obviously a big part of it or a big point of it really is is the way that the ape vocalizations and other sounds are integrated but the music is I think just um, such of such high caliber and just so varied that uh, I could really hear it like on this station and other stations that play a bunch of great music that on, on shows that have nothing to do with animals just because the music itself uh, I think is just so well done and so uh, evocative and so uh, and almost in that way that some of the, the ape sounds be sort of a bonus but they, they're not right, uh, they're not right. intrusive and, and it's just great music for Fundamentally, I guess, is my uh, sort of long... Well, Duncan, I, de- I deeply appreciate that, because that was my approach to this, too. I thought, you know, I'm, and, and, and the compositions and all, um, it, you know, they're all original compositions, and I wanted it to, to be reachable and accessible to, to whatever audience and whatever radio stations, and and I, um, I'm hoping that more people will start playing this, and uh, more people can hear it as well too. Because um, there's a gentleman that a uh, very, very good friend of mine. I have um, a comp- he's a composer and, and um, producer, um, quite a quite a big name in the industry of the gaming industry. He's his name is Marty O'Donnell, and another gentleman, Michael Salvatore. I have worked on the uh, video games called Halo. Oh yeah, and when he yeah when he heard the music for the very first time, he just went. He called me and just said, "Harry, <laughs> this is truly, truly amazing." And I thought, Marty, wow, for you to say that to me because he's he's so well uh, well known in the industry and such a great composer himself. I mean, yeah. it just moved me to no end. And I thought, mm, you know, I mean, if if a gentleman like this can appreciate that, I think everybody could appreciate this. Well, no, I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of makes its way into sort of, for example, the the whole sort of NPR music world and all those websites and stations that right. uh, play and pick and highlight songs and well, stuff. I would, so I certainly would love for that to happen. And I'm, that's what I'm, uh, we're here as well too. So. Yeah, you know, it would be nice to keep moving this and getting this forward with to 
uh, to a lot more of an audience. Now, on a related note, we should point out that, of course, there's people can always choose to to download a, the album, but I should say, mm-hmm. perhaps related to the Kickstarter campaign and, and its results, that the CD artwork and package is, is uh, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's really uh, this day and age. Even if people yeah, don't see CDs anymore, they don't see packaging like this anymore, and it's it's just really <laughs> stunning. So, uh, yeah, I thought the packaging would be vital and very important because even in the the twenty page booklet, all of the different illustrations gives a real nice um, uh, feel for the songs. And, and when you're listening to them and you look at the title and, and the little description of, of what the, the song is about and the illustrations, um, which was done by, uh, pardon me, by a very, by a friend of mine in California named Brian. And um, he, uh, he just did a wonderful job. You know, we, we worked together on it and he was, uh, he's got quite, quite the talent and, um, really put a wonderful piece, you know, artwork together. Well, again, this is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. I'm speaking with Harry uh, Mira, a musician who's created I Am, I Am, an extraordinary album that combines a variety of music with eight vocalizations. To join the conversation, please call 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885. With that in mind, Harry, let's uh, read one of our emailers. Uh, Subject line says, Love, I Am, I Am. This is, I love your guests, such great stories of music and apes. Has your guest noticed music affecting other animals besides apes? Thanks for this interview. Okay, could you say the last part of it again? Please? Yeah, I think the, the key question, besides just saying nice things about the music and the stories thus far, is uh, I guess the key question is, has your guest noticed music affecting other animals besides apes? Has my music? Yeah, has, has you know, I Am, I Am. Yeah. Right. You know, that was one of the things I thought, too, that I'm hoping this will inspire others and other musicians and other uh, artists to do such a thing. You know, um, I, I hope I, I hope it does. You know, I, I've had other people that have talked to me about uh, you know other situations, about you know with with the other animals and 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 really you know, that's why we're here. I mean, chimpanzees, all the great apes. You know, they're a part of the animal kingdom here, and I think that's um, you know just one of the the facets. But you know, for me, it is it's a it's a message to say you know there's. We're, we're we're here about the the kingdom here, you know, and it all it, it all needs some some help and awareness, obviously. Well, our emailer's question kind of dovetails with one I was going to ask, which is: Have you gone back to some or all of the the sanctuaries where where uh, these sounds were recorded and played? I am, I am, and if so, what what sort of reactions have you uh, drawn? Yes, well, I have gone back to the sanctuaries. Um, and when you say play the play the I am, I am, you're talking about playing the actual CD itself, or yeah. Uh, in other words, have have both the the uh, the apes, some of whom contributed to it, and other apes as well, as well as the humans, have have they heard the uh, the finished product? Oh, of course, all of the sanctuary people, the staff, their friends, and and so on, have have heard. I am, I am, and of course, everyone does really enjoy it, and and I'm very thankful for that as well too. And and of course, you know, they're hearing the different vocals of the of the different apes at the, from the different sanctuaries. When you you know the 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 founders or the staff go, oh well, there's so and so, and there's so and so. You know, it's it's really it's it's so nice to know that they they hear them it's a part of them it's a part of me it's a part of all of us um as an example in the second song every day yesterday's at the beginning of the song there's a uh, chimpanzee laughing at the uh, the beginning mm-hmm. and i don't think too many people know that chimpanzees laugh and that's one of the things that you hear and he is the most wonderful endearing endearing uh young male his name is knuckles he was born with cerebral palsy, mm. and um, I wanted to, of course, make sure I had him in one of these songs. I mean, there's so many of these these friends of uh, that, I've, that I've established now with uh, with many of the apes that 
of course, I wanted to make sure they were included in the recording. As well. So that's interesting. So as uh, folks at uh, work or founded the, the various sanctuaries have heard the the whole album, they could easily mm-hmm. identify sure. apes from their sanctuaries as, hey, that's Knuckles or hey, that's uh, Toby or mm-hmm. whoever it might be. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow, and that's it, cool. Yeah, it comes down to that exactly. So Harry, how closely does the music on the CD that, uh, that I'm, I am holding in my hand right now resemble kind of what you heard in your head as you were sort of conceiving? and maybe working on it along the way? You know, um, as I said, as I was developing the, the idea and the concept, um, every song kind of came pretty naturally. There's, you know, a lot of it is instrumental, of course, because I wanted to make sure that the great apes, you know, their vocals were going to be up front and not necessarily always just human or myself singing. And so um, that's, I, I, when I, when I, like I said, when I was putting it together, I thought I wanted to do a nice combination. Actually, when I first started putting it together, I didn't have any vocal, uh, human vocals except for myself singing like the very first song and, uh, the other, there's a, the other song, Miracle of Love. And I thought after, and I started in, uh, integrating the, the grade eight vocals into the music. And I, after listening over to it over and over, and I thought for me, I can appreciate that. I can say I can listen to every song and say, "Wow, God! Listen to all the beautiful, amazing sounds coming out of the uh, the great apes, from the gibbons to the the gorillas to the uh, you know chimpanzees, bonobos, orangutans." And I thought, "Hmm, I don't know if everybody's going to want that." So then I uh, decided I'm going to add human vocal backgrounds because then I thought this is going to be a great way to then partner the, the the vocals of the great apes with the human ape. I mean, with the humans. And then they're 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 basically feeding off each other. So you have the the human uh, background vocalist singing a particular type pattern, and then the chimpanzees or orangutans answering them, or vice versa. And I thought that would be interesting. And that reminds me, if I remember too, from sort of learning about the project and how you did sort of put it together, that as you heard some of the ape uh, vocals and other sounds, you really kind of put quite a bit of effort into the the key and meter of, of what those sounds were when you were creating the music that would be sort of the setting for those sounds. Yeah, that's that was the, the one thing I, I realized as I started this project. I was saying to myself, well, I've got all these, these great ape vocals, and I wanted to have or maintain the trueness of their other vocals without doing anything to them you know with with computers i wanted to keep everything as natural as possible so i had to write songs and keys that their vocals would be in pitch that was the interesting side of it (laughs) yeah no but i mean that's uh, again it's sort of the attention to detail that i think is partly what's yielded the album that's there as just as you said the idea about working in some some human voices but still having them be secondary which is why also to me the album works as just something you could hear on any great music radio show uh anywhere so i deeply appreciate that too and and the other side of this too you know there's a lot of messages and meanings uh even some hidden hidden meanings in the songs, you know, uh, and I hope, um, I don't to say necessarily hidden, but enough messages that I hope people will, will get what I'm trying to, you know, have everyone while they're listening and, and, and trying to have them understand that there's, you know, the issues that are going on in this world for a lot of the great apes and one particular, you know, with the orangutans over in the Indonesia and Borneo, the song Are We Listening is certainly a, a message to everyone that, that the atrocities that's going on over there to the, uh, to the wildlife, including the orangutans, and all the other species, and even humans. Well, you know, due to the palm oil plantations and the the uh, annihilation and desecration of the habitats, there's just uh, that's 
you know, the song, I think, is, is crying out to everybody to say, hey, wake up and be aware of all of this. We're sort of uh, in the last moment or two of our time. I just want to, before we uh, do run out of time, mention the website to find out more about the project and hear some samples. And, and you know, if you're inclined to, uh, uh, right. you know, purchase any part of it, you can. It's I am hyphen I am project dot com. So it's I am hyphen I am project dot com. We just now all of a sudden I'm not sure why they loaded in a bunch of the emails or at least texts loaded in. I'm not sure we're gonna have time to get to all of them, but let me uh, we had to take one of our callers. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Harry Mira. Hello, it's you. Hello. Last chance. I hear you there, but all right, so let's then let's uh, work in at least one of our things that just came in. So this is for Harry Mirror. Give us an example of lab life for these apes. Are apes still being used in lab research? This is from Pam in Chicago. Pam in Chicago. Wow, thanks, Pam. I'm in Chicago, too. <laughs> anyway, well, since it was just recently within the last several weeks now, chimpanzees have been put on the endangered species list, and that now has, is, is an official as far as I understand, to end the all research on chimpanzees because now that they're in the endangered species, it is uh, against the law for anybody to do that. As far as apes, other apes in la- in laboratories, boy, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's there's it's still going on, but um, I know chimpanzees, in my opinion, at this point, would be they have been used, you know, more um, more so than any other of the great apes, and so to to be to answer that. In a with a you know I I w- I'm hoping of course since the endangered species list has been uh, introduced now that everything is going to come to a complete halt. Well, and there's also been some further legislation that has affected the uh, uh, limitations in any research, and more and more of those research uh, apes have been released to various uh, sanctuaries, including exactly. the ones that uh, that that are featured on I am I am. So Harry, we have just about reached the end of our time here. So we've been speaking with Harry Muir. It's spelled H M U R A. Again, the album is I am I am. The website is I am hyphen I am project dot com. Harry, thanks so much for joining us today on Talking Animals, and congratulations on on the album. Well, Duncan, thank you so very much. And I appreciate you giving me the time and opportunity to uh, have our, our interview today. And, and look, can I ever come back sometime and talk some more? Absolutely, yeah. We'll uh, we'll definitely work that out. So uh, thank you so much. Duncan, thank you so very much. All right, bye-bye now. All right, bye-bye. In a moment, we'll speak with Jim Twos about felines of New York. Right now, it's time to step into the Talking Animals Comedy Corner with a piece from Mitch Hedberg called Smacky the Frog on Talking Animals. Smokey the Bear joke in England, so I had to ask the English if they know Smokey the Bear was, but they don't. Because in England, Smokey the Bear is not the forest fire prevention representative. They have Smacky the Frog. It's just like a bear, but it's a frog. I think that's a better system. I think we should adopt it. Because bears can be mean. But frogs are always cool. Like, never has there been a frog hopping toward me. And I thought, man, I better play dead. Here comes that frog never said, here comes that frog in a nervous manner. It's always like optimistic. Hey, here comes that frog. All right. Maybe he will settle near me and I can pet him and put him in a mayonnaise jar with a stick and a leaf to recreate what he's used to. I certainly have to punch some holes in the lid because he's damn sure used to air. Then I can observe him, and he won't be doing much in his 16-ounce world. 
All right, that was the late, oh so great, Mitch Hedberg with a piece called Smacky the Frog, taken from his album Strategic Real Locations. Right now, to talk about his creation, Felines of New York, let's welcome Jim Tews to Talking Animals. Good morning, Jim. Hey, Duncan, how are you? Good, thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. So let's quickly get a little bit of your story first. You're a comedian and writer. Let's let's uh, hit the, uh, the quick overview of Jim Tews. Uh, yeah, I'm a comic in New York. I've been doing comedy for quite a few years, and uh, I, I'm also a writer. And I started this Feelings of New York blog, which is just a parody of uh, the super famous humans of New York. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's gotten it's gotten some attention, and I really like doing it. Well, I want to get into that in a little more in a sec, but just to uh, well, no, just because on the com- comedian level, I mean, just there's some cool things that people should know too, including that uh, you appeared on a little show called Louis. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was yeah last uh, I was on last season of Louis and uh, last Comic Standing as well. That's my comedy. Comedy is my uh, my. First thing, that's my first love. Sure, but felines of New York is quick, quickly approaching uh, in the, from the rear. So, uh, so why don't you, for folks who right. haven't had a chance to see it, why don't you describe briefly uh, felines of New York and and how you how you conceived it? I mean, obviously, you as you say, it's a parody of the uh, of um, humans of New York. But what what gave you the idea to say, hey, you know, maybe this is the thing to do? Yeah, it, I uh, I don't know. I just thought it would be funny to do a cat. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was looking for, uh, for like, you know, something that I could just write every day and put online that wasn't like, that wasn't some like uh, monumental task. Right. You know? Yeah. And something that wasn't super personal. So that's what I did. And then, of course, I, once I started looking at the pictures, uh, I was like, oh, I got to start taking these pictures myself. And now, now, that, now I'm taking the pictures myself and it has become a little more of a production, but it's still, you know. Still fun. So. Well, so why don't you uh, read like maybe two or three uh, entries just to give people again who maybe haven't uh, had a chance to become acquainted uh, just a feel of what what uh, a, a random post on Feelings of New York sounds like. Sure. Uh, so well, so if you don't know. If you're not familiar with Humans of New York, the concept is uh, it's just a portrait of people on the streets of New York and then a snippet from an interview that the photographer had done. So with these, I, I literally go to people's apartments who submit online or it's friends or friends of friends, and I spend about a, a half hour to an hour uh, shooting pictures of their cat, and then I interview them. I mean, not for real. I can't talk to cats, but... <laughs> Uh, well, come on. you are on a show called I, Talking I, Animals, so don't 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 spoil it. But go ahead, Jim. Sorry. Oh, oh, okay. Shoot. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I interview these cats and I transcribe the interviews. That's what I meant to say. There you go. Now All we're right. talking. Excellent. Thank so, you. <laughs> so here we have a cat, uh, Lolo from Park Slope, and uh, she says, uh, I, "I used to live in a place with another cat, but the lease only allowed one. So for a few years, the two of us were pretending we were the same cat." <laughs> That's great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You know, and they have a slight awareness of the fact that they live in New York, and but not all of them uh, are 100% sure of their actual species. Sure. Uh, like Bebo. Bebo is a, a cat that's up for adoption on the Upper East Side ASPCA. And uh, Bebo said, I used to be the mayor of a small town in Nebraska. I resigned and left because I got wrapped up in a scandal involving the police chief and some fish I allegedly stole, quote-unquote. <laughs> That's great. And also, each one, yeah, of course, has... Have a, oh, go ahead. Uh, I said some of these cats have a uh, dark path. Well, no, because that, that reminds me of one that I like that comes to mind is, is a picture of this kind of mostly white cat with a black uh, coloring on his face and a little bit on his body. Uh, or actually, it's a her, I'm sorry, because uh, it says, uh, I was a mess in my early 20s. I spent a lot of time in places I didn't belong with other cats who were no good for me, picking the scraps off of fish bones on a garbage lid, can lid. That was my rock bottom. Michelle from Harlem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
So, but yeah, so the thing is, um, what's also great that you kind of alluded to that I want to be sure to mention, first of all, as you said, you do photograph all the cats, and, and again, the photos are fantastic, so I don't know how, how something that you Thank thought you. would be kind of a, hey, this won't be too daunting, I'll do this between stand-up gigs or whatever, I'm sure now it has become kind of a, a fairly daunting thing, just because the photographs alone, much less the writing, must take a certain amount of time. But the other thing, yeah. that, which is why I wanted to be sure to talk to you too, is, is that now you're on many of these photos, you have adoption information about how people could adopt that given cat that that is uh, featured in that that uh, entry of felines of new york yeah I, I try to uh you know well one of the big things is like like i said i go to people's apartments to take pictures of their cats which is even though no, no matter how organized i am it's a very uh it's a very long process so you know when i go to the shelters there's a lot of cats in the same place and those cats need a little more exposure than <laughs> a cat living in somebody's apartment so it's a it's a totally mutually beneficial thing. I I get a lot of New Yorkers, obviously, who visit the site. They get to see these cats, you know, look nice in a nice photograph, and uh, then if they if they want to adopt them, they can. I haven't I you know I try to find the different uh, places in New York. I just whoever's got some cats, I'll go and you know figure something out. Yeah. Um. But I, I haven't. I, I think there was one cat that got adopted so far that I know I took pictures of. Yeah. Um. Whether whether the site was a director's fault, I'll, I'll never know. But uh, you know, whatever helps. Yeah, no, that's great because it's it's there. not it's not the intention. But I, I love that it's sort of now becoming a bit of a byproduct, and probably will be more and more as as more and more attention yeah. is brought to uh, to to feelings of New York. So uh, yeah, now, just one other one caught my eye just as I was uh, as I was scrolling through here. So this has a great um, sort of gray tabby up on a huge scratching post, and it said, "I was supposed to coach little league this summer, but that fell through. How come? Politics." Mostly, some parents just can't accept me being a coach. We're just not there socially, I guess. And that cat is Gordon in a story, of course. So, uh, anyway, so yeah, so they're just there's just all kinds of wonderful things like that. And we should let folks know specifically that the where they can find this is felinesofnewyork.com. So yeah, every uh, every day or two or so, there's new ones, new ones posted. Yeah, I try. Uh, I, sh- I shoot for five days a week. Uh, if I don't post a picture of a cat with a quote usually some video of, uh, that I've shot or uh, of my own cats <laughs> yeah, or well, uh, other cats or a gift. So, so uh, definitely check the site out. And we have a Twitter, Instagram, and a Facebook page as well. So, and it's just, you know, I post across. Oh, cool. So Felines of New York is kind of yeah. the handle every every which way. Yeah, it's Felines of NY right. on uh, Instagram and Twitter. For Felines the sh- of New York on Facebook. Very cool. And is there, uh, what's next? Is there uh, is there a, uh, a Felines of New York book in our future? Yeah, there is actually. It's uh, You can pre-order it. Uh, you can search it on Amazon or there's a link on the site. Uh, it'll be out in November. I actually uh, just handed it in not too long ago. And it's, uh, it's almost all new material oh great um, separate from the light but yeah okay so so what's in the book is not what's already been seen on yeah oh cool well then we'll maybe we'll uh when the, when the book's out maybe no, we'll uh, stuff. Stuff. so we'll talk again maybe when the book's out so uh so we've been speaking with jim twos again it's felines of new york.com and then everywhere else uh instagram twitter etc it's felines of ny so jim thanks so much i really obviously enjoy it and uh keep up the great feline Thank work you. there all right man thanks thanks bye-bye all right
Take care. We have just about reached tail end of Talking Animals, but also, by the way, Rob Lori is coming up with Radioactivity at 11 a.m. But we do want to get to Name That Animal Tune, and this is a giveaway. Please only participate if you haven't won something from WNF in the last 90 days. There'll be a prize, a brand new Talking Animals t-shirt, but there's a catch. Some of you haven't heard that uh, Billy Zoom, the uh, amazing guitarist with X, has been diagnosed with cancer and has to immediately begin treatment, leaving X's summer tour this week. So when that news was announced, so was GoFundMe campaign to help raise money to cover Billy's medical care and other expenses. It's already brought in a nice chunk of change. I donated. Maybe you'll do the same. And if you're the winner of today's Name That Animal Tune, the reason I'm offering a Talking Animals t-shirt, a pretty cool prize, $70 pledge price in the last uh, fun drive, and I hope you'll consider helping Billy Zoom too. So I'm a Southern California guy. I saw X all the time when I was a young lad, and I love X. So anyways, I've probably tipped my hand here, but the t-shirt goes to the first person who calls 813 813- 239-9663 and correctly identifies this animal song. It's named an animal tune. Talking animals. We'll take any guesses. Off air. We got to uh, wrap things up. Again, Rob Laurie is up next with what amounts to two hours of radioactivity. I'll be back next Wednesday, July 22nd, when my guests will be J.D. Whitaker and Rhonda Reynolds, two of the motorcyclists with sidecars whose dogs ride in those sidecars, prominently featured in Sit, Stay, Ride, the story of America's sidecar dogs. So check that out. It's Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. We'll see you next Wednesday.